and welcome back to the Square Podcast. We're doing it this week, boys. We, um, you know, we're we're hanging out. I'm back. Uh, am I officially supposed to be on vacay now or well, back from vacay? So we're 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 all going. We're 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 going to mess things up with the schedule this week. Okay. Okay. We're going on a little mini vacation for Memorial Day. You know, we've got this episode coming out Thursday uh, before Memorial Day. And we've got an episode coming out right on Memorial Day, and then you won't you won't hear from us until the week after. Right. Well, uh, uh, get the housekeeping stuff out of the way there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Ree. I'm Jim. And I'm Snake. And Snake, a.k.a. Ryan, a.k.a. the good boy. Mm-hmm. The good boy. I'd like to think so. We love him. You, you know what You know what I would like you to do, Snake? Yeah. Debate me. <laughs> Woo. No, we'll, we'll get, you won't get me to fall for that one, Jim. We'll, we'll, we'll get to your Ben Shapiro-esque tactics in a minute jim but um stay tuned after news of the week here for a a very very special interview with aaron o'brien and jason gussman of return to snakeland podcast uh, a true crime podcast centered in in buffalo in western new york in kenmore um not affiliated with the snake pit not affiliated with the snake pit much uh, much darker story our snake he's a good snake Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Doesn't bite. He yeah, gives yeah. you a big hug. He's like Jake the Snake Roberts. I wear a nice fuzzy <laughs> yeah, sweater. <laughs> yes. A very heart- a heartwarming snake. <laughs> yeah. Hey, spring break, snakey. Hey. Oh, but first, of course, it is news of the week. Stuff is happening. And Jim, debate me, you coward. Oh, no. Snake, debate me, you coward. Uh, Ernest, debate me, you coward. Oh, well. Arf, arf. I'll tell you what, who's a real coward around here, who certainly won't be debating anybody. Gotta say it. It's our very own Mayor Byron Brown, who refuses, refuses to hold a debate with uh, Challenger India Walton. Yeah. uh, I mean, I even, uh, I even, uh, my personal uh, account yesterday tweeted at the mayor, Debate her. Democracy matters. Local elections matter. Well, and it's especially egregious because, as India herself pointed out in a tweet, Byron Brown has uh, has debated every one of his uh, primary challengers up to this year's election. So he had debates with Mickey Kearns. Um, he had debates with um, uh, Kevin Helfer when he first ran, of course. Uh, he had debates with uh, uh, with the Schroed Dog. Mark Schroeder. Yeah. 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 So he has debated every one of his challengers. This is the first time that he's not doing it. And look, say what you will about the efficacy of debates or debating. A lot of it's theater. Doesn't really mean much. Fine. But India Walton deserves it. We as constituents of the city of Buffalo, New York, deserve to have somebody who's running against Byron Brown say, hey, you know, I'm going to hold you accountable for your record. Um, it's insulting. Mm-hmm. It's it's truly insulting. It's a, it was insulting to both her and to the general populace. I mean, it's insulting to her because he's saying to her that I don't need to because the only thing that I can happen here is I lose. So it's better for me to take the road of the presumed winner and ignore you than to give you any kind of equal, like equal opportunity to actually present your platform, present your ideas, present who you are and give people a chance to vote for you. And if I'm a little distracted when I'm speaking, it is because Ernest the Pomeranian is here and 
who knows what, if if I don't know what Angus the shapeshifting badger is not going to do, I certainly don't know what Ernest the Pomeranian is no, going to do. Nobody knows. <laughs> Ernest, you little bastard, mm-hmm. you little uh, sex pest. <laughs> yes, yes, he won't leave you alone. But yeah, at this point, you're. I think you're right, Jim. That Byron Brown is just hoping that India will go away, or that he could just you know sweep it all under the rug. Uh, but she's not going away. I mean, uh, really, her push as we near the primary, which sadly, and I say sadly just because it's so soon and I would love for India to have more time in the national spotlight, which is where she's going, where, where this is all trending. Um, the Working family, working Families Party just today put out a big blast. Yeah, they put out a big blast on, on Twitter that they were proud to announce their first two uh, Working Families Party Justice Fund endorsements for 2021. India Walton for mayor of Buffalo and Deborah Peoples for mayor of Fort Worth, Texas. Um, and they blasted this out to their, you know, 20,000 followers or however many they have. And it was a joint a blast of like our support and fundraise as they were fundraising, t- taking donations that they were splitting half and half um, for Peoples and half for Walton. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. And look, like, whether or not you support India Walton, just to have, just to have like a, I think I've probably said it before on the show here, but just to have a local election have that level of national scrutiny for a good reason. By the way, mm-hmm. you know it's not like a Tim Howard situation. India Walton is a genuinely inspiring candidate, and she's bringing nothing but positive attention and positive energy to this race. And to have that level of involvement from national organizations, I mean, we talked about it here before, guys. That was her playbook. Like, if if she was going to be successful in this race, this is what would have to have happened. Yeah, I was I was asked this past weekend if I think if I think she breaks thirty percent, and I said yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm now to the point where I you know I think she's probably pushing forty percent right now. Um, and maybe higher, which you know, if she breaks forty percent, that's a win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm loath I'm loath to say that because I don't want to. Oh, how can I put this? Again, we're still bearish on the potential of Byron Brown losing because mm-hmm. he's such a strong incumbent in some ways. So I don't want to dismiss in any way how how powerful he is. That being said, like. The energy, it's only trending upward. And I think if, God, unfortunately, if if India were on the ballot in November, if, um, you know, if we didn't have that, for lack of a better term, unforced error occur, that this really would be like, if this had drawn out, like, let's say Byron Brown wins the Democratic primary in June, regardless, but with the understanding that he would still have to be facing down India in November, giving her you know, months of time to, to fundraise and build and to continue that challenge and that energy, who knows what would happen. So it is a little unfortunate that we've got a month until this effectively until the mayor's race happens. Right. And I don't think that that's going to be enough time to do. I don't think it's enough time for the dominoes to fall in place to necessarily have India Walden win. But maybe we're at the point where it's a but maybe it is a but maybe now. I mean, we're. I'm more, I'm not bullish, but I guess I'm not as bearish on her chances. 
Well, and again, like the national attention is really starting to pour in. Uh, she just had an interview with Jacobin Magazine, uh, which uh, to think about, uh, again, like a large national publication like Jacobin, um, one of the largest, you know, left-leaning socialist, whatever you want to really prescribe to it. They would say socialist, but um, left-leaning political periodicals out there uh, doing an interview with a Buffalo mayoral candidate is just unheard of. Mm-hmm. You know, like that level of focus and attention coming from um, outside of Western New York on this race is it's it's it, I mean, it's it's really unprecedented. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've talked before here, uh, you know, the DSA Democratic Socialists of America have also led the charge on on her fundraising um, again. You know, be that as it may, that it may <laughs> for a lot of these folks be a proxy war on Andrew Cuomo. I do think that. I think more and more as people come across India and her candidacy and this race um, that she's a, again, a genuinely inspiring figure. So I, I, I think it goes without saying that, you know, she has, she has my vote and I will be voting for her. Even as I say, I, I think Byron Brown is still likely to win. I don't care. I'm going to go out and vote for India Walden because I'm going to show that that kind of platform means something to me. Right. You know, like a, a candidate who, who actually speaks to my values. And I, not to get corny about this, but I, what the hell is the point of this? You know, that's why I get so upset about this this lack of debate that Byron Brown, he won't even give us the theater. Right. He won't even give us the, I mean, and I went to, not the, I didn't go to the last debates. I went to the debates before that when he debated Bernie Tolbert. Um, so that would have been... 2013 and i sat in like the upstairs of you know an elementary school with no air conditioning Ooh. and it was brutal terrible just you know atrocious and i sat there at least i got to see them like go through the motions you know like at least he gave bernie tolbert at least he gave mark schroeder he gave mickey kearns he gave kevin helfer the acknowledgement that they were worth enough to him that he would go through the motions of a debate yeah and honestly that is probably the biggest sign at this point that india walton is the most credible threat that maybe he's faced um in his tenure let not not to dismiss previous candidates or whatever but like i think he knows (laughs) i think he knows that at this point in his career at this point in America and the zeitgeist, like this might be his most dangerous threat. And he's just trying to snuff out all the oxygen. And again, on a very cynical level, I get it. I can also say it's extremely cynical, right? It's, it's, it's incredibly cynical. And if I were his campaign advisor, what would I advise him to do? Not debate India Walton. If I were somebody who was involved and all I cared about was what's good for democracy. Well, then I would say, then you should debate India Walton. Am I self-interested or am I interested in the greater good? If you're interested in the greater good, there should be a debate. If you're not interested in the greater good, if all you're interested in is the self, if you're interested in the further of Byron Brown's career as mayor or whatever else he may be thereafter, then fine. Don't debate, but don't say it's because of democracy. Yeah, well said. Well, moving on to um, a different matter here in the city of Buffalo. We always go big and then we kind of hone in. Let's let's go the other way. Why don't we start 
in the city because that's you know pretty much where we are um speed cameras jim there was a vote today is is tuesday may was it 26th something like 25th. that 25th 25th? 25th sure uh tuesday may 25th but the city of buffalo common council uh voted to remove the speed cameras in school zones by a six to three vote yep yep no more money printer go burr sweet yeah no more information going to the feds right Correct. right boys well <laughs> they didn't say that yeah let's not get hasty oh man. okay okay yeah but no, they're getting rid of the speed cameras and God, I mean, I know the, the dystopia is inevitable and, and we live in it now, in fact, but it's just, it's nice that we, every once in a great while you can be mad about something and something actually happens. Mm-hmm. It, it feels good. Like you get mad at the news and we, hey, we, we've done this. This is our 33rd episode of getting mad at the news. So right. we, <laughs> we've turned it into a cottage industry here. Yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get mad at the news enough and you're like, well, nothing ever happens. And it's nice when something, even just something happens. And the speed cameras being taken out, who knows what dastardly thing they're going to replace them with. Mm-hmm. Um, as of right now, they said they're going to lower the speed limits. I mean, look, should the speed limits be lowered in front of schools? Yeah, probably. Do you need cameras there to make sure that they're in, that's enforced? No. I mean, as we talked about with Brian Nowak a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, was that, you know, in Cheektowaga, in Lancaster, there are schools along Transit Road or near Transit Road where they have lower speed limits than is, you know, normally posted. They don't have cameras there. People generally follow the speed limit. If they don't get, they, they get pulled over. That's generally how these things are supposed to work. I mean, realistically, if, if, if the city of Buffalo wanted to post speed cameras and make a ton of money, they would post them on the 198. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I it's, mean, you want to talk about money truth. printer, money printer go burr. Truth. Yeah, it's, it's, or even the 33. Mm-hmm. That's where people go. Well, I, I, I will say that as somebody who drives a 33 pretty often, I did see a lot of state troopers on the 33 this past weekend pulling people over uh but the 198 198 is a speedway still oh yeah 198 is 198 is 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 similar to the indianapolis 500 <laughs> other than you don't get to drink milk at the end <laughs> yeah no it's it's something to celebrate we're, we're happy to see them go um hope please don't and and by the way if you do live in the city of buffalo or if you just work here or if you're just passing on through don't don't speed in front of the schools what are you doing yeah, don't do that cut it out what the hell's wrong with you? You're the reason we have them in the There's first There's kids place. who go there. Right. Stop right. it. Look, if the speed limit's 30 on Delaware, and in front of Canisius High School you're supposed to drive 20, it's not that big of a deal. No. Cut it out. It's not like it's not like the speed limit's 65, and then they drop it down to 20. Right. And all of a sudden, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to make it my, my time. Like, if, if you going 30 in front of Canisius High School or McKinley High School or Burgard or any of these schools that you have to go 30 in front of, it depends on is the difference between you getting to work on time or not, leave two minutes earlier. Yes. Yes. So money machine doesn't go burr for now. Um, let's, let's move it a little broader in Erie County, Jim. All right. Oh, speaking of money machine, go burr. Money machine, go burr. And you know what? (laughs) There's, there's two buttons we always have on the show where we want to press them and 
engage at least for our, our own entertainment it's the nate mcmurray button which we don't have any nate mcmurray no, content no, this week quiet. sorry um you know quiet for his standards mcmurray maniacs I gotta find uh, other than we we did get tweeted at <laughs> yeah uh by a friend of the pod mike who who tweeted that he couldn't read a uh, nate mcmurray tweet without reading it in your voice ray <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's right. right that's right i um i was very pleased to see that i, I i'm glad I, i'm glad i'm making an impact on this you're, community you're the official non-nate mcmurray voice of nate mcmurray right it's amazing because i don't actually know what his voice sound, i think i saw one commercial of his yeah, once he, I, I don't know what his voice actually sounds like but i'm, I'm happy he to, sounds like jared kushner <sighs> nobody right? no, nobody knows what he sounds like oh i don't know oh man i remember his ads last november all right, all right. Since I pressed an, I pressed the Nate McMurray button, and, and now okay, it involves right, it involves go. me. Here we so go. I've got to read the tweet now. So thank you, friend of the pod, Mike. Um, the tweet in question, which you could only hear in my voice, which you're actually going to hear in my voice now, because you asked for it. Because we love you, babe. Who loves you, baby? I love you. Okay. Re loves you. Re loves you, Mike. So this is uh, on May twenty third, twenty twenty one. This, by the way, is a banger tweet. So thank you for bringing it to my attention. <laughs> So Nate, this is Nate McMurray. I ran for office for three years. I lost to a convicted crook, parentheses, pardoned by Trump, end parentheses, and a billion dollar sign casino heir who praised Trump's handling of hashtag COVID. Does it surprise me that some white men in rural USA would buy Hydra uh, chloroquine online from hashtag Alex Jones, but not get a vaccine? Nope. I man, dude, I wish I could tweet like this. <laughs> Give it a round of applause for Nate. I wish for, you. for me. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, please, please. For your dramatic reading, it's beautiful. Right. This stream of consciousness is just mwah, chef's kiss. The man is truly inspired. 151 likes on Twitter. Probably like half of those are you know porn bots or whatever. If they haven't gotten. Half of them are that uh, that woman outside of Rochester who f- did the GoFundMe for him. Oh, I, yes. And you know what? I wonder. I wonder if uh, Nate get, uh, got a notification that uh, that Mike <laughs> mentioned me in a tweet. <laughs> I hope he did. <laughs> I hope he did. Stay mad. Uh, Stay mad, Nate. So Nate, come on the pod, or come on the pod. Be happy yeah, with us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, share some of your GoFundMe money. Sure. Yeah, give us give us goods, baby. You can spend it here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yes, we pressed the Nate McMurray button, but let's also press the Stefan Mahailu button. Jim. Oh, oh Stefan Mahailu. Clink, clink. Oh, yeah. Uh, hold on. We got a good one for that. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's the one. There's the one. That's, that's the, the Stefan button. So, uh, Stefan this week uh, got in trouble with the county executive. The county executive? Stefan? Uh, you mean he got in trouble with Mark Poland cars? Yeah, for some reason, Mark Poland cars was mad at Stefan. I know they have famously a good relationship. Yeah, what could have happened? What could have happened? What caused the schism? Uh, is that uh, there's an annual report that the controller's office is supposed to file by May 1st, and Stefan didn't do it. <laughs> was this literally his one job? It's it's pretty much... It's pretty much I mean, it's not... Yeah, <laughs> it's not his literal one job. He's got like three jobs. Yeah, this is one of the three. Yeah, he's got twelve months to do all three jobs. <laughs> Forgot about it. Too yeah. busy 
doing God knows what. A little something, something on the side. Yeah, right. A little moonlighting. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's a little busy in in the burg of ham. Sure, and then serving papers to people, right? And serving papers to people and and not showing up to work. Cutting ribbons. Cutting cut ribbons. Mm-hmm. Uh, standing at the ends of photographs with proclamations for people. Making bacon pancakes. Making bacon Bacon pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Bacon pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. Bacon pancakes. Making bacon pancakes. <laughs> making bacon pancakes. <laughs> can, we, can we hear that in Portuguese? <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, nobody but the most dedicated Mark Poland Cars Reply guy um, on Twitter actually is sympathetic to Stefan Mahailu. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, nobody actually gives a shit about any of this, but it's just amazing that like we have an elected official who could just like literally not do one of his like main duties. Right. I mean, it's just his job. I mean, I mean, like there is not much you have to do as controller to get past the bare minimum of did job. (laughs) And Stefan was like, hold my beer. Hold Burn my mask, hold my beer. Yeah. Yeah. He is, um, he's a rare breed, man. Like, I have, you know, you you see a lot of shitty government officials, right? And you see a lot of just cynical and terrible elected officials. But at the end of the day, like, they know they have to accomplish at least, like, the bare minimum of auspices of their job. Stefan Mahalo doesn't even dignify that part like it just doesn't even try to well it's it's one thing like you're in the minority of a legislative branch like if you're a republican member of the new york state assembly you can get away with doing nothing literally all year long because like there is nothing that they need you for you can be dave DiPietro and file resolutions to separate upstate new york from the rest of the state and do that kind of nonsense craziness but you could also do literal nothing, and it'll be fine. They're like, nobody's going to ever say anything to you. But when you're elected to an executive office where there's there aren't other 140 other people to hide behind, it's just you, you kind of have to do the things. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to do them well. Nobody was asking for stuff. I mean, I know he won all those awards that he paid for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean... Nobody's asking him to write the the best annual statement. They're just asking him to write any. Yeah, yeah, and just on his campaign to embarrass himself while, while being incredibly hot. I can't take that away from him, certainly, but... I mean, he's got that going for him. He's right? got... He's got yeah, yeah, he well, sure does. But He's going to have those hot boy tears when he gets crushed by... If, only, if only the state could accept his 8x10 glossies yes. instead of the annual... annual right, report, right, his and, blue steels. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Um, just briefly on polling cards while we're here, you know, <laughs> still still beloved other than some cranks on Twitter who uh, will reply to him constantly with some of the most insane shit I've ever yeah, read. Yeah, yeah. But doing good. COVID rate's going down. Shot in the Chaser program is popular. Pretty popular. Um, so now we got a shot and a chance to win $5 million, right, boys? Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, yeah, it's... Like, Poland Cars was thinking too little. Poland Cars was thinking, like, hey. Small county thing. Come get your shot. Get a beer. Mm-hmm. Which is fine by me. Right. I didn't even get that. Right. I, I, what, I just got my shot. Yeah, what good is that? All right. I'll, I'll, 
All I got was prevention of COVID <laughs> and this T-shirt. Oh, oh you got a T-shirt? Well, I look, I don't think that guy wanted it. Oh, okay. So New York State has introduced a uh, vaccine lottery following up in the footsteps of Ohio's vaccine lottery, um, which the results of that... <laughs> Crazy uptick in vaccinations. Something like a 33% uptick in vaccinations. Right. Well, because they're actually giving away a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. In, truly incredible stuff. Now, New York. they're actually Well, they're actually giving away $5 million in right. Ohio. Right. Five different people are going to win a million dollars in Ohio. New York. Well. It's just scratch-offs, right? Just giving scratch-offs away? <laughs> it's my understanding is that yeah. it's just giving away scratch-offs. Well, hey, it's still better than nothing. Right. Basically, you know. Getting a COVID vaccination, it's like getting a Christmas gift from that one aunt that you don't really see a lot. But right. Thanks, Godfather. Yes. But do it. You know what? Hey, at this point, if if a friggin' scratch off will get you to get a fucking COVID vaccine, then I hope it works. If if everything that Dr. Fauci said wouldn't convince you to get a COVID vaccine, what the idea of getting a scratch off is what takes to get you push that activation energy level just so much that you're like, yeah, fuck yeah, shoot me up with that Moderna. Please, please get that scratch-off ticket and go get that vaccine. Do get it. your scratch-off, get your beer, do it. You've earned it at this point. Man, that's a great Buffalo Friday night you just explained to me. Oh, right, yeah. My beer, my right. scratch-off. Right, That's you know how we really could get everybody vaccinated in West New York? Yeah. Is if you got, like, free meat raffle tickets <laughs> if, if you got vaccinated. <sighs> Now, that's an idea for Mark Polencars, if you're listening, and I know you are, or somebody who works in your office listens just to do intel on us. So, you know, you can inevitably smear us one day when one of us tries to run political office. Just take the good ideas when they come. All right. Do a do a vaccine meat raffle. That's an incredible idea. Jim. I would I would love a vaccine meat raffle. I would go Wait. as a fully vaccinated person. Does that mean that all the meat? Is vaccinated and you can just eat the meat and no 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 oh, no okay. no 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 it's okay. it's what it is is a, if you get a vaccine yeah. at the meat raffle yeah that you get like ten one dollar tickets Ooh. which is like you know like a chance at like strip steaks sounds great I mean <sighs> maybe maybe you unfortunately only get like Italian sausage so let me let me get but this you straight. could get strip steaks we're talking beer we're talking beer we're talking lottery tickets yep and a big hunk of meat sign me up absolutely. The only thing missing is my is my pack of smokes or my legal weed, yep. right? Which I don't think they're going to give that away. Or, or potato salad. Oh, potato salad, potato salad. No, that's good. Hmm. That is good. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, good work, um, New York State. You could, you, you could be Ohio. I mean, you could aspire to be Ohio. For some reason, you don't even want to do that. But why not? Scratch offs, sure. Right. Scratch, scratch off tickets. Oh, speaking of um, somebody who is is hoping they they hit the lottery in their uh, in their election, Jim, we're uh, you know we we've talked about the sheriff's race mm. quite a bit here, and um, you know I don't want to say it's lost in the shuffle uh, per se, but we haven't focused as much lately. But uh, John Garcia versus Karen Healy case in the Republican primary. Um, I will say like so. I spent some time in. The southeastern suburbs this past weekend, and I was shocked by the amount of John Garcia support I saw. Now I know, like he is, he's supported by the current sheriff Tim Howard, 
He's supported by the previous sheriff, Sheriff Gallivan. He is supported by the Buffalo Police uh, PBA. But I saw, like, at, like, Zip's Restaurant, that conservative stronghold out on Route 16, and the Holland Rod and Gun Club yeah. further down Route 16, John Garcia signs. And to me, that says that, like, if, if, if I were gambling, if you guys wanted to gamble with me right now, I would put my money on John Garcia winning the Republican primary for sheriff over the endorsed Republican Healy case. Part of that is because, as we've discussed, he's got more money. Yeah, it's not just the signs. It's not just the signs. Signs don't vote. No. If, if, if there's anything that anybody could ever teach you if, as far as signs never vote. Signs, signs can do a lot of things, but they can't show up and, and actually pull a tab or mm-hmm. fill in a circle. But I saw no Karen Healy case signs mm-hmm. whatsoever. And to see, like, you know, John Garcia is, in the Republican primary, he is a city of Buffalo resident who is a city of Buffalo veteran or Buffalo PD, BPD re- veteran. To see signs for him out in Holland and Wales and Sardinia is startling yeah he's he really does have i mean we've mentioned it before he has a lot of money um but he has a lot of initiative from from the groups and from the people that that matter yeah so i think that i would say he's the prohibitive favorite but yeah i no, i would say he's the favorite right now i i think he's the favorite to win the republican race and it's going to be tough then for him to win the sheriff's race in november because Healy Case is going to have the conservative line. And there's going to be a split there. I mean, the conservative line is worth like 6 to 10% of the vote. If that, that might be enough to sink a sheriff's candidate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and here's hoping that, you know, in the world where A, John Garcia wins, B, Karen Healy Case stays on as the conservative party candidate, and C, you know, the, the, the local Democratic Party actually tries to contest for that sheriff's race, that they don't blow it. Well, I mean, the Healy case is, is stuck on that line unless she becomes a judge. And the reason why she's stuck in that line is because of Republican lawsuits in the past when Democrats tried to get people off of like the working families line or independence line in the past and tried to clear up space so that they could get their person who lost the Democratic primary onto these minor party lines. And the Republicans fought those lawsuits at the time because it wasn't advantageous to them. So if they get fucked because of this, it's because of their own lawsuits in the past. Well, I won't. I won't underestimate Jeremy Zellner's ability to, uh, you know, clinch defeat from the jaws of victory. But we we shall see what happens in that race. Um, pretty slow news week, guys. Um, not mm, not, not a much. ton going on. You know, we're rounding the corner on the holidays memorial day couple shout outs to friends of the pod yeah adam bojack hey hey adam adam bojack our guy doing the lord's work out there uh representing the uh that poor that poor fucking guy out in that was it lancaster lancaster Lancaster. oh god jim fucking (laughs) oh god that place that place yeah adam adam uh was on the news he was on uh, I think it was Channel 4. He did an interview. It was also on their website on WIVB uh, that he's uh, representing the gentleman, the, the tenant that you may remember, who the landlord was like putting ridiculous shit on the, the roof of the house. Right. You know, good guy doing good stuff out there. And then 
other friend of the pod who we haven't had on yet for some reason we got to get him on. Uh, we got to get him on we really do yeah. got to get him on rob galbraith man yeah. uh his name's out there he's always doing stuff uh i like to call him rob cat you like to call him did he respond to you he did oh really yeah. <laughs> okay cool rob cat galbraith rob cat galbraith oh uh recently was published in david sroda's daily poster yeah he had an article about uh what was it rye about uh, lift about lift and uber and how they are lobbying democrats yeah to right. write anti-labor legislation right right in the in the spirit of uh, the california uh laws right that we saw um last year so yeah good stuff um we can get those links well we can get we can get that stuff out there one way or another and maybe we'll, we'll have yeah we'll link it up maybe we'll have rob on soon we're a big fan of his i know he likes us so rob you're always welcome on the pod but dear listener this week we're talking about guests we have as i mentioned at the top of the show I uh, just a, a truly fascinating interview with Aaron O'Brien and Jason Gusman of the return to snake land podcast, a true crime podcast based right here in Western New York based actually in Kenmore set in the eighties. You know, it's, it's, it's weird. It's dark. It's also very, um, very human story. So super excited to talk with you, get, uh, talk with those guys and have you all have a listen with that. I think that's all for, for news of the week guys. Am I missing anything? Um, just where you pledge your allegiance to St. Bonaventure. Oh yes. The, uh, the weekly allegiance to, to St. Bonaventure. Everybody, everybody in Buffalo's favorite school. <laughs> and remember listener, Jim went there <laughs> in case you forgot. Don't forget, stay tuned for the interview. As soon as Diane woke up, she transcribed the poem. Diane's boyfriend at the time, Jason Batzer, was in our circle of friends, and he spread the poem around once we found out that it existed. And uh, this is the poem that Kathy recited to Diane in her dream. You and me, and they make three. The cats create, anticipate. There's ten of them and one of me. And then they die, and I am free. Cats and rats have heart attacks. And they all die, and we all die. And they all live, and we all live. Then they're dead, and I am free. All right, friends. And we are in the square today with a couple very special guests uh, who are joining us to talk about their, their, I mean, their graphic novel, their podcast um, of a really compelling and, and completely fascinating story. Uh, we have... Aaron O'Brien and Jason Gooseman of Return to Snake Land. Jason, did I pronounce that right, by the way? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Well, we Nobody pronounce it correct now. It right. It's it's a uh, it's Gusman. 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 Yeah. I, I tried to I tried yeah. to sex it up, and uh, that's that's what I get. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and just just before we get started, guys, for the listeners, we do touch on subjects. Um, that are you know involving murder, and at some points, uh, rape. Um, 
Jason and, and Aaron are really nice guys, but we're talking about some some pretty grim subjects at certain points. So just a heads up if that's something that, you know, might be not so good for you to hear. Maybe now's the time to turn it off um, or skip forward, whatever you want to do. But Return to Snakeland. Um, I am about three episodes, most of the way through three episodes of the podcast. Um, and guys, I am like blown away. I am so, I, I'm enthralled. I'm not, I'll tell you right now, I'm not a true crime person and I don't, it's not really my get down. A lot of, a lot of that is because I think that a lot of true crime stuff is pretty sensational and pretty exploitative. This is not that at all. Um, this is like, so I know, Re, you and I are Twin Peaks people. Yes. And this kind of reminds me of that. After listening to the first couple pod episodes and reading the graphic novel, it, it's reminiscent of that. Yeah. Well, that's that's an ultimate that's the ultimate <laughs> compliment. So thank yeah, you. Seriously. And thank you for, for the kind words because uh, it has been something we've been working on for quite a while. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, absolutely. The Twin Peaks comparison is... Uh, is very well taken. I don't know if we deserve it, but that's that's wonderful of you to say. Sure. One one thing that jumped out at me, guys, is uh, from the first episode of the podcast. I, I can't remember which one of you said it, but the line "Every place in America has a snake land," which mm. it, it just like it, it just cut through the heart of America and everything. Like the minute you said it, I was like, "Yep, mm-hmm. that's right." Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about Snake Land. Like just as brief as you can it's a place in kenmore right or was right it's it's right. right on the it was right on the outside of kenmore so technically town of tanawana but just cross military road kind of deal um it was on the train tracks uh uh between like kind of where ontario is and it cuts off there so it's that weird section of industrial area and it was mm-hmm. uh large grain elevators two buildings side by side that were set derelict since 1965. And uh, what basically happened over, you know, decades is that uh, kids went back there first to explore and then they started to party back there. And all of a sudden you start getting um, satanic um, elements in the, in the parting, you know, spirit and uh, things kind of got weird after that. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what you had said earlier, as far as the the basic idea of there being a snake land in 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 every city, every town, that sort of thing, that you're going to run into uh, abandoned places, and those abandoned places, whether it's you know uh, something really mundane like an abandoned factory or something more intense like let's say uh, an abandoned uh, mental hospital, something along those lines, but it's still it's going to end up being a place where for the most part, uh, that kids go to party, or at least used to go to party. And then beyond that, there was always something bad that came along with it. It was always, you know, a story that was passed down from, you know, generations before, or it was something that happened literally while uh, that generation was, was having their experience, like in the case of Kathy Harold and, uh, and, and that murder, um, I believe, right outside Snakeland. And um, so it is kind of a universal thing in in that respect. Uh, The stories may not be the same. They may not be as intense, you know, but uh, but there's something out there that everybody knows. And I I think that's something that they uh, hopefully can relate to. 
For sure. And what makes it so fascinating is if you're a listener who's not from Buffalo, it might not hit you how the, the, the it being like an abandoned grain elevator, like how that's such a Buffalo thing, like that's so central mm. to our identity. Um, I grew up in the first ward neighborhood where there's the mm. all the old grain silos there. And sure. just like for this to take place in a, this abandoned grain elevator just took me back to like my childhood, just seeing these, mm. um, you know, these things. Like even if you go downtown now, um, what is it, Ryan? The Silo City? Silo City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's been mm-hmm. repurposed and, and almost gentrified in a way. Right. Yeah. Um, but this is like, man, like in, in the podcast where you guys talked about like, how you go up a set of stairs and all of a sudden there's a door and then there's nothing <laughs> that you could right. just fall to your mm-hmm. death out of this grain silo. Yeah. And it's, and it's the thing is it's, um, they're so iconic, you know, the, the grain elevators. I mean, um, there's a, uh, uh, painting of, uh, by Charles DeMont that says, uh, uh, my Cairo. And it's kind of the idea. It's a painting of some grain, uh, elevators and it's, um, Kind of reminds me of you know like you know we you know the the Egyptians had the pyramids and you know all the mm-hmm. all the artifacts from before we have the industrial age as artifacts of our you know height of civilization or something if you want to call it that so mm-hmm. you know we had these giant things and like you said you, if you grew up in the first ward you know those are you can't miss them they're so You're surrounded by them there. yeah. 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 And uh, and that's in in the, the the buildings here in Kenmore they were just as big they were just very large and looming over you know I mean you could see it for blocks away so mm-hmm. and uh, and unfortunately like I said it was abandoned in 1965 and uh, it just very dangerous you know and I I went and explored them when I was young. And uh, like I've mentioned in the podcast, it's it's uh, fortunate that I didn't, you know, wasn't hurt or or killed by going into them. Do you know when they were torn down? I believe two thousand or two thousand one, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, if you go on YouTube uh, and, and search uh, "Snakeland Destroyed," hmm. um, you'll find a um, you'll see it being demolished in some comical uh, Satanist uh, lamenting the destruction of Snakeland. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Never forget what he says. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the real life events um, are centered in the 1980s. Like this, mm-hmm. you guys, um, you were you both in school at the time at Kenmore West? Well, the way, the way it shook out basically is that I was I was at Ken West from 84 through 88. And the um, <clears throat> the main events that are described, the murders, the suicides, uh, all pretty much occurred during the time period that I was there. But one of the key things that uh, that came with with this partnership with me and Aaron was that I never went to Snakeland. Snakeland, I, I was a I was a punk rocker, I guess. And uh, the guys who went to Snakeland, spent the time in Snakeland, were heads or metal heads or heshers or whatever you want to call them. So basically, that wasn't a place that I was going to go, you know, um, at, le- <laughs> at least not voluntarily. <laughs> but um, but in, in, uh, in Aaron's case, he came, he came to West relatively soon after 
I had graduated, and he, I, as as I think he had, he had said earlier, uh, he had some some experience with you know urban exploration and just examining the the layout of Snakeland. So so we were really really lucky in that respect that we got a guy who you know again you know with the events and stuff those aspects, but also uh, another fellow who had a real concept of the physical layout of Snakeland, which definitely uh, had a big impact on the graphic novel. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now the, so Jason, your blog, you had a blog. Mm -hmm. When, when did, when did your um, blog initially start? That was probably about, let's see. Um, sometime in the, in the mid two thousands, I believe. Was that around and the time when the was it around the time the bike path rapist? Oh, that's good. No, that's a good question. It it wasn't. I don't know. I'd actually have to go back and look. It very well may have been because uh, 2007 was the year that uh, essentially that Altimio Sanchez was caught was caught. Um, Oh no! I'm sorry. I made a mistake there. Um, he might have been caught the year before. No, you're right. 2007. You're correct. It was okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, but then that's when they were trying to peg the murder of Kathy Harold, who I had mentioned earlier, on Sanchez. And uh, you know, I don't. I don't know if there was a link between the two events. Honestly, you know, I don't. I don't think. I think you must might have been just before that because. Um, I don't know, maybe not. I can't remember, but I, I, it was right around that time, maybe 2006, 2007, because I didn't probably right. jump on till like 2010 or 11. Sure, sure. And I was, it was, it was going for a good long while before I got to Snakeland. It was, it was basically uh, uh, just, just a couple of um, you know experimental novels that I'd written that I broke up and and things along those lines, and um, and then. Uh, Snake Land came around. It was it was much later. It was probably about or a little bit later, uh, 2009, 2010, and that's when the word spread to Aaron. And that's essentially why we're here <laughs> talking to you today. It's all my because, fault. <laughs> basically, yeah, absolutely. But but truthfully enough, um, if if Aaron hadn't uh, essentially just instigated the project at that point. Um, yeah, it could have it could have gone in you know a number of other directions, but I doubt very much they would be uh, something that you know fellows would want to actually sit down and talk to us about. So so it's great. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating that <clears throat> the the real life events of what happened um, at Snakeland happened in the eighties, and here you are in the mid two thousands writing like blogs about it. Um, this is something I it sounds like it pretty clearly stuck stuck with you and, and rightfully so i might add based on you know just listening to the narrative of the podcast um what was it about for you uh jason what was it that sort of stuck with you and and aaron like what what made you want to be a part of it well the part the, the what stuck with me and what really what really uh brought it brought it to uh you know fruition in one sense or the other was the fact that uh again um kathy harold uh the girl who was murdered sat in front of me in homeroom and the one piece of this i mean we weren't close 
And we, we, we said like two words to each other, if that much. But um, I'll always remember coming back after that summer, you know, the summer of 85 and going into the 85, 86 school year. And her desk was, was empty. And then it was just pretty much, okay, you know, Gusman, move up. You know, like whoever was behind me, move up. And that was all that was discussed. There was there was no, you know, memorial. There was no, uh, you know, bringing together the student body. There was nothing, like literally nothing. And it was the same, of course, too, for uh, Gary M., who had committed suicide that summer, uh, unrelated to to Kathy's death. But still, again, it was it was just uh, these were. These were uh, these were deaths that very very little was made of, and especially in the case of Kathy, you know that was ridiculous. Seeing that there was you know a murder or murderers at that at that time, so so that's so that's pretty much the the part of it that really just never never went away. That, and um, that's wild yeah. to me because I think nowadays there would be there would be a lot a lot to do with this, right? They were the, the, sure. Uh, School administrators, the teachers would call some type of thing together. There would be counseling for such a matter. Mm-hmm. Was it just a sign mm-hmm. of the times, or do you think that, that it was intentional to kind of not talk about it? That's a, that's a good question. I think on some parts it was definitely intentional so that there just wouldn't be a, you know, a disturbance in the school or, or whatever like that. But then in, in, uh, in other ways, it was just the... The mid 1980s was a very, very different time, and um, like Aaron, you had said, I believe at one point it was a lot closer to the mid 50s yeah. in a lot of ways than than any other than any other uh, time period previous to it. Um, but uh, but there was there's there's there was a lot of cultural things that were involved in it. You know, uh, at the time uh, there was a lot of blame being placed. On, on Kathy by what little notice was given in the papers in the sense that she shouldn't have been where she was or that she was hanging around with boys from the wrong side of the tracks and, you know, whatever. And, um, and then, you know, with, with the, uh, with, with the other stuff, the only, the only thing that was really paid a great deal of attention to was, um, the John Justice murders, and that was simply because they were unignorable. It was everywhere. People Magazine did a feature. Uh, the New York Times did a feature. Um, but that was just, you know, there was nothing they could do about that. They still didn't bring us together right. or talk about it or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, and, and just to go a little further with Jason, I, I, I do believe that is a cultural thing. Uh, I believe that back in those days, you know, it was... You know, Kathy, it seemed like, especially when you read those articles, she was blamed for being, you know, backed by, you know, Snakeland with all these, you know, bad kids. And so she was a bad kid, too. So she got what she deserved kind of thing, Uh, which is a terrible thing to even like to even go into that, you know, mindset. But that's where everything was. And, And we had just people just didn't talk about stuff. I mean, it just was very, very different. I, I mean, I'm technically like four years later than uh, after Jason uh, in, in high school and things got a little bit better. Um, but you know, we, you know, in our episode four, we talk about 
um, the suicides that especially centraled around Kemmer West during this time, which was mm-hmm. enormously uh, very high. And, you know, it was, some of the things were thrown out was like divorce was reason that people would commit suicide or even then one was homosexuality. I'm mm-hmm. like, right. It, it's just everything <laughs> is so much different you know, back then than it is now. I mean, people made it into mm-hmm. this thing that you were going to like, uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's bizarre. It's just a bizarre mindset and things have changed a lot. Thank, sure. thankfully for, for the better, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's, but crazy. the articles, yeah. Like that are, that Aaron's talking about, they go from making a great deal of sense. Like, okay. You know, like based around, you know, sound psychological principles and then the next paragraph would be, we're going to blame the women's movement because yeah. women should stay in the house yeah. and take care of the kids and stop, you know, going out and creating havoc. And they meant it. And, you know, it's ludicrous, but you know, it was acceptable. And it was it was uh, reported in the paper. So it goes to show you, you know, what level we're at there. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I want to, I, I don't want, for the listeners who are interested in, in listening to Return to Snake Land or... Um, you know, reading the graphic novel. I don't want to take away too much of the story, as it were, um, mm-hmm. for them to discover. But I would like to just talk briefly about about the murder. Um, you know that we're talking about here. It, it, Kathy mm-hmm. Harold, the 15 year old girl at the heart of the story, who ends up being murdered after. Had we confirmed that she attended the party at Snakeland? I know that ultimately her body was found with um, with a single ligature around her neck. Um, right. in Tonawanda. Um, right. but it, it was presumed that after this large, which you guys, uh, <laughs> which the, the newspaper referred to the large beer and marijuana party oh. that, yeah, right, uh, right, right. we're going to have t-shirts made, by the way. So <laughs> if you're interested, marijuana. please oh, yeah. Yeah. come to my large beer Maybe and marijuana party. Perhaps. So, right, right. Perhaps. But, uh, perhaps. but, but, Kat, but Kathy, had she been in attendance at the party? Or was it just presumed? I, I didn't gather that part. Well, the, the one thing about it is, is that as I understood it, that the parties at Snakeland were pretty consistent, you know, in the respect that over the summer they were they were happening quite frequently. And then beyond that, like into the school year, just be you know, whenever kids could get away. But um, was was there a party that night? Honestly, don't know. Don't know. She was supposed to meet. Uh, her boyfriend at the time uh, at uh, Mang Park, which, as we had stated earlier, is very close to Snakeland. And that's the last that we have any determination of, you know, her presence anywhere. It's basically it stops there. And then the next morning when the uh, the railroad workers find her body. Uh, because essentially what they did was it was determined later they that she was either murdered in Snakeland or very, very close to Snakeland. And then the body was dragged out to the uh, the railroad tracks. And that's that's where they that's where they found her. So um, was was there a party? I, I couldn't say, you know, it's certainly whatever it was. I mean, I doubt very much that it was to the level uh, of what they describe in the papers as these 90 kids, you know, behind Snakeland and, and this, you know, that kind of thing. But um, but to our knowledge, that's that's about all we can really give you because that's all we got. 
There, there was rumors that she, that it, you know, people say that they saw her. They, you know, that that time, but it's all you know, word of mouth, and it's very difficult. And people are talking, you know, twenty, thirty years later. So right. I mean, that's to to say that like you know, you've got this this flashpoint of an incident that it, you know probably um, is a major event in a lot of people's lives. And mm. to trust that they say, oh, yeah, well, I saw her or I, I, I was around that time. Look, that's like if you ask, if you poll the people in Western New York, how many people were at the 93 Bills game against the Oilers when they made the greatest comeback ever? <laughs> the, the number of people in the stadium was like 400,000. Yeah. Sure, sure. I was actually at that game and I stayed. <laughs> I, w- I stayed. So. Yes. <laughs> but no, your point point well taken, uh, Jim. That um, that yeah, I mean, that, and a lot of people are. It, there's a lot of online chatter, and people are like, you know, oh, Kathy is my good friend, and I remember her so, and she was so sweet, she's so wonderful, and I remember that night, and I remember the last time I saw her. I'm like, mm-hmm. do you really? Because a lot of people are really vague, and um, and and we talk in the podcast too. Is that um, the the, the, some of the people were very, very tight-lipped about everything that was going on back there, and they it was like um, they just do not squeal on each other. And right. um, there's definitely, and we we've run into that ourselves a bit. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, there's some people that kind of we got some backlash when with the graphic novel that came out, and people were saying some things, and we're like, oh, it sounds like you might know some information. Maybe you should talk to the authorities and. Right. And then right. shut up. Yeah. But it was pretty silly. It was people basically being proud of keeping secrets when, you know, obviously when you're dealing with the murder of a 15-year-old girl, um, pretty inappropriate. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just it is gross. And it's like grow up. It's yeah. time to grow up, people. Oh, yeah. Dude's like older than me. And I'm 50. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, just forget about it. Yeah. What's, what's fascinating is that like – so – you know, Kathy, she was she was connected to um, at least a known group who would be attending some of these parties at Snakeland, which, you know, mm-hmm. I know it was the satanic panic era. Um, you guys go to, to to certain lengths to say, like, hey, this is most likely a bunch of teenagers who are partying at Snakeland. You know, it was just a bunch of kids having, again, the uh, beer and marijuana party. And yet there was enough weird elements of what i would say satanist or somewhat satanist <laughs> things there where we had a giant pentagram drawn on the wall yep, of snake yep. land there was some crazy poem you said was on the wall of snake land too yep. um that like and and there was in fact a group what was it, a group of eight uh young men who were known to be like like the, there was a big party and they would do their weird seances or like an animal um, mm-hmm. sacrifice thing, but there was actually like eight guys who were sort of in on the group. Yeah. Right. All there, that's, there's, all that's there's, true. Yeah. 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 Eight, yeah. eight to 10 um, that seemed to be really into the Satanist, uh, Satan uh, element, um, whether how serious they are, it's hard to know. Um, but there, you know, there was animal sacrifices, you know, that they were doing like mostly pigeons and, and stuff like that. There was um, something about a, a German shepherd being hung, right, Jason? That was one of the articles. That's one of the yeah, that's one of the odd things was um, uh, recently both Aaron and I watched this documentary. I think it's on Netflix. It was called uh, Sons of Sam, and it was about the uh, basically the uh, the satanic uh, 
possibilities of links to David Berkowitz. And, uh, and it's fascinating. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good watch, you know, however you feel about that. Um, but the thing was is that, uh, is that, that basically um, it doesn't ultimately matter if, you know, Satan is involved. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, I don't personally. I don't believe in Satan any more than I believe in God. You know, I don't think there's anything that, that there's anything there really to uh, to uh, to go into. But the fact is, is that uh, as you had said last time, Aaron. You know, I believe in evil. You know, I certainly believe in evil. And if it was a situation where one guy or three guys, you know. Uh, killed Kathy in the name of the Dark Lord or what they thought was the Dark Lord or what Acid told them was the Dark Lord, <laughs> then basically, I mean, we've got, we've got evil. We've got, we've got, we've got an evil event, right. you know? And um, so again, it really, if we're looking at the, the end result, yeah, I mean, sure, maybe it was Satanism. Absolutely. But I just don't think that there was anything particularly, uh, you know, magical or black magical or any of that in respect of this stuff. If uh, if these uh, individual cats and German shepherds and et cetera, et cetera, were sacrificed, um, I'm really much more likely to believe that it was in the idea of, you know, looking badass than it was um, actually trying to rouse a demon or something like that. Well, and, and here's where the narrative becomes one that is uh, i would say an indictment of definitely the media at the time um at least of the news reporting uh, media because the local newspapers um I, I think it was the buffalo news certainly and then there was another article later on by the north tonawanda news if i if i remember correctly um but they do an interesting mm -hmm. two-step with this where <laughs> certainly the satanic panic you know the fear was in people's minds at the time, but mm -hmm. then they went to pains to say, well, no, this is a bunch of kids partying um, at Snakeland. But then Kathy Harold's death, her murder, just gets like zero attention or it gets like completely misreported or a whole bunch of misinformation. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that, that's, uh, that's really key, especially to the, uh, the two main articles that came out of the Buffalo News at the time that do mention Kathy. Um, it's as you said, I mean, she's an afterthought. The rest of it's about the, you know, the, you know, the beer marijuana parties and, uh, you know, all this, all this other kind of just really, you know, overblown kind of nonsense. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really unfortunate because, again, you know, her murder was was a real a real tragedy and it, it, it needed to have the attention that, that it deserved. And it just, it was kind of sidestepped for the, uh, for the Satanism and things. The, the, the earlier articles in the smaller papers, uh, did focus more on Kathy, but unfortunately, as we also found going through those, that there were some pretty big errors, you know, that, uh, that, that just, you know, things that didn't connect up that sort of stuff. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely something. Well, I will say like, you know, like, to, I mean, to the point of like, 
focusing on the wrong things. You know, I was doing a little mm. research into this, and I uh, saw about uh, in 2020 there was uh, one of the local news stations decided to dive into this again, and yeah. D.A. Flynn, current district attorney, was like right. the first quote in the article from it was like, "Well, Kathy was a rebellious teenager." Yeah, right. As though like yeah. as that as though that excuse like so of course she would be murdered. Yeah, yeah, right. Like that yeah. that makes that makes it all right. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. it's it's the most preposterous thing and um it infuriates me actually cuz you know, I have kids of my own um and I just project my my you know, my children onto this and mm-hmm. um look, you know, Kathy lost her father from a heart attack and uh she was grieving over that. I think the it whole was family was just a year yeah, year prior. Mm-hmm. So she still hadn't even probably processed it halfway, you know. Uh, you um, wouldn't you wouldn't be able to process your father dying in a year if you were a forty year old adult. So if you were a fifteen year old child, there's yeah, no, no chance. I, I couldn't agree it. with you more. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and and, so. and that's the thing is it's uh you know and here she is uh, a young young child and right. um, she's rebelling. Yeah. But who didn't rebel at 15, 16 years old? Right. You know, who didn't like, you know, Liz Cheney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but um, no, but I, I mean, it, it, it's it's one of those things that it's like it's really uh, sad that people are attacking her character when it's really the community and everything that's going on around at the same time. So, um, you know, we get these reports uh, of, of Snake Land of the 90 people in the large beer marijuana party. You know, what were the police doing? What were the community doing? What what were they doing to change this? You know, it, mm-hmm. it sounds like nothing. So, right. Yeah, no. And I mean, guys, there's so much meat on the bone here. Like they're, <laughs> there, there, there's so much, honestly, of this narrative to really dive into, whether it's like the, the fact that there were no arrests, like there were no, uh, did, did the, did the news even report on any actual suspects or leads up until 2007 they, where they thought it might be they, the bike path rapist? They, they alluded to some people they're questioning, um, three, three individuals, uh, but nothing yeah. came out of it. So. Um, it, it just makes me think of I, I I have a uh, a friendly acquaintance who's a state trooper, and he one hmm. time he one time told me that we don't catch the smart ones. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But I mean, we're we're talking about what ostensibly are a bunch of kids, or at least like young men. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, certainly anywhere from the ages of fifteen to twenty. Um, I'm, mm. I'm assuming we're not talking about criminal masterminds here. And, uh, you know, I know you guys also allude to the, there are different competing theories, whether it's, you know, if it's somebody important in the community, if it's like a politician or a businessman's kid, or, um, you know, it could be like a, a cover up of some kind or just a whole bunch of people keeping that secret. Um, but there, I mean, there's so much. Um, your 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 FOIA request getting denied by the FBI. Yeah. Right, right. That was yeah. really depressing, honestly, because I thought for sure we really had something this time, at least to get some some names from the period, or even just some some uh, just you know I- ideas they had behind it, and then just to get nothing because uh, apparently it, it would appear to be because the case was reopened. Because that was their their statement. Because that uh, you know, 
uh, you know, D.A. Flynn is busy looking for this wild girl that, you know, you know. I, I get really angry when we even bring it yeah, up, honestly. Sure. Just like just like Aaron, it just it kills me. It really, it really does. But but just you know, just the, the the fact that again, they opened a case and now we can't get that information. And I tell you this much, um, nothing, you know, certainly nothing's come of it in the in the year in between, and I'm very doubtful anything's gonna. But if you gave us that information, mm-hmm. who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. And again, you're both pretty rational and level-headed. And I think that's, for me, I think that's one of the biggest appeals of listening to you guys on the podcast is that it's everything is presented. It's not sensationalized. It's very, it's very level-headed and humane. And you make great pains not to um, dive into the gory details as it were. And I, I think that's honestly, yeah. I think that's the biggest turnoff for me with a lot of the true crime stuff is that, you know, it, it goes out of its way to give you the blood and the guts and to just make it as obnoxiously appalling as possible. So that, you know, the, the sensational, like all, all the gross stuff is really what hooks people. And yet this narrative isn't that um, this is, it's personal. It's very touching, uh, you know, in the sense that you're not trying to to shock and awe your listeners or mm-hmm. um, readers of the novel, but rather it, it, it almost it slowly brings you in to where the, the real heart of it, where, you know, we have a young girl who died and we have um, her death, m- much like, you know, take whatever parallels you want to Laura Palmer in Twin Peaks, but mm. her death still clearly haunts haunts you haunts the community so much so that people are still not talking about what happened. If they, if they know anything. Um, right. And I'm, yeah. uh, you know, l- listeners of our show, if nothing else, I, I do hope you get to uh, episode two of the podcast. Um, I know again, um, Jason, you'd mentioned earlier, you know, you're not really, you believe in Satan as much as you believe in God. And I, yes. I get that entirely. And yet Diane Tesmer, um, mm-hmm. the poem. So Diane Tesmer was, was Kathy's music tutor, right? I don't know that she was a music tutor. Oh, okay. I thought she was, and I don't even know this for sure. It may very well have been, but I believe she was like math or science because Diane was a very uh, level-headed person. You know, she didn't go in for, the supernatural or anything along those lines. So that when she did tell us about the dream, which obviously we're, 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 we're coming along to, um, everybody believed her, you know, at least in our circle of friends, that's for sure. Yeah. So Diane Tesmer has this dream of Kathy reciting a poem to her after Kathy's death. And she wakes up, she, she jots it down and maybe we can clip it into our show guys, because it is like, Man, I, I was playing it again for um, for Ryan and Jim before the show, guys, and it was it was chilling. A- a- again, like this woman who rationally you could say, okay, you know, maybe she was so affected by the death of this young girl that she knew maybe somewhere in her headspace, you know, put together this poem, and you know, maybe it's nothing nonsensical, and yet there are mm-hmm. parallels to things that actually happened in real life that you're just like, mm-hmm. I I don't know what I believe about the nature of you know anything after after hearing it so maybe we'll clip it into the show 
here. Yeah, some somebody somebody brought up the idea of uh, it being like an oracle kind of um, things that you, it's like to guide you. Um, I I like I like that idea. I'm you know I I'm of two minds you know of the whole thing. I I would love to believe that somehow you know she got some kind of message through. Um, the other side of it is it could just be a dream, you know, and it really impacted her so strongly that she felt that she had to write it down. I mean, how often do you have a dream and you jot down what's in your dream? Most of the time you just roll over and go, that was freaking weird, you know, so um, that it it impacted her that strongly. So sure. um, But I do appreciate what you're saying there. um, Just that that we're hitting the right note on this because we don't we're not into the gore side and like we in episode three we talk about uh the uh the possible ideas of uh the bike path uh, rapist uh being her killer and we get into the details of of his crimes because um we realize people outside the buffalo area probably would not know who he is and uh you right. did not want to talk about it uh it was really gross uh, it was sickening, and uh, I even uh, I we when we edited it out, we were kind of not making dry heaving noises, but there were these weird noises we were making. I had to take out because it, we were just like, oh, we're just like it, we were just so grossed out by everything. So um, <laughs> we don't like that part of it. I mean, we we do talk about it, and we talk about it. I think respectfully, and um, you know, we try to. Mm. We don't we don't put any levity onto that kind of stuff, um, and right. we take it very seriously. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's it's just one of those things that when we we are talking about all this stuff, um, we're going to give you the facts, but we're not going to get into like details that are going to just be gross. Like we try to be as as respectful as humanly possible. I mean, with that said, we do need to acknowledge the fact that um, it is a true crime podcast. And unfortunately, I, I mean, um, we are dealing with, you know, pain in other people's lives. And so we can't eliminate that, obviously. But what we can do is just try to be as respectful as possible. Um, and when we, we had to do that, that Altimio Sanchez thing, I remember, Aaron, when you brought that to me, you're like, people are not going to know who this guy is if they don't live in town. This isn't like a famous serial killer or whatever. And there are no famous serial rapists because there's no reason for that because it's just disgust is the only response. But, you know, but I mean, you know what I'm talking about. There's none of that kind of, even with a, uh, a serial killer, some sense of, uh, you know, I don't know, just kind of like, you know, dark, uh, attraction or something, you know, I mean, there's, there's a fascination there. Sanchez is just, you know, a career criminal, just, you know, garbage. And that really came out, unfortunately, I think in that episode on, we did have to edit out a lot. And if you notice, we probably cursed the most out of every other episode, <laughs> that episode. I mean, cause I'm, I'm, I'm really, I, I, I try, I try not to curse as much as possible, but I always do. And Aaron's very good at that. He hardly ever curses. But when he does, you know, it's like, you know, get out of his way because, you know, someone threatened his family or something. He's like, you know, yeah, (laughs) some sort of a avenging spirit. But I mean, but that's what it felt like. It was it was creepy and crummy and we didn't enjoy it. And, you know, it was just, yeah, it was unfortunate. But luckily, you know, there's there's 
other stuff in that episode that is fascinating and is useful. So that was it worked out well in the end. So, yeah, I, I think honestly, like the biggest appeal for me in general is just how humane uh, you really do bring a humanity to this, um, you know, talking about even on our show in the interview here, right? That are, are you both dads or, or is just one are one of you uh, just a dad? I'm I'm a dad and uh, Jason's a gra- uh, a grandfather. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a I'm a stepdad and uh, and a and a grandfather. So yeah, like the humanity of that, it just it came pouring through even in our interview today, and, and certainly on the podcast on your podcast. Um, mm. And it's just it, it's I can't say I can't rave enough about how much I have enjoyed. Um, listening to you guys uh, present the story. I can't wait to, I haven't had a chance to read the graphic novel. Um, I, I know Jim um, had a chance to read it a bit. Um, the, the graphic novel came first, right? So it was, it was your blog and oh, then sure. the graphic novel. If you want to go into that a little bit. Oh, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because it, basically just putting the, um, I, I had written uh, several, short pieces about snake land and involving the um, the various players and all that kind of thing and that's that's when uh, when when uh, Aaron was uh, led to it by a friend of his and he of course made a direct link immediately and he you know he, he drew up one of what I was calling the fragments you know of the story and I was just blown away because it fit perfectly and I'm like okay um, we gotta meet and talk about this. And of course, that meant going to uh, a dive bar and getting uh, shit faced drunk, and uh, that's what we did. And well, that's, uh, and that's, it, that's it, my it experience. How most really things well. get done in Buffalo. Yeah, right. <laughs> right exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Name, name me another creative partnership that was not forged that way. So. But uh, but it was uh, it was uh, it was great. It was great, and uh, and we just we got along uh, very well very quickly, which was which was wonderful. And then it was just pretty much just the long. Um, move forward towards the the finished product. We did a, a successful Kickstarter that worked out really well, um, and then we had the uh, the uh, the graphic novel came out, and there's still there's still copies of floating around out there. It's still at uh, Gutter Pop uh, Comics over on Hurdle. Those guys have been uh, very very consistent with their support. They've been wonderful, and um, and then. Um, from there, it just seemed like, you know, as uh, we let some time go on, that we needed to, we needed to do more with 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 this, uh, with this subject matter because the stuff in the in the graphic novel, I'm very very proud of it, but it's also very personalized to me, and it's also very. Uh, you know, it's got like poetic parts to it and then parts that are more sociological and it's it's a real it's a real spread. So, you know, very well people may who may enjoy uh, the the podcast as 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 you folks have um, might not care for the graphic novel nearly as much. And that's like, you know, we'll see. And that's totally, totally appropriate. But then finally, it just came down to that. You know, we we had to do this, and we knew we had to do this, and then COVID gave us uh, a time frame. Yeah. Really, is yeah. what it came down to. It gave us the time to write the outlines, bounce the ideas, put everything together, 
um, into into uh, into what this is now. So, so what's the uh, what's the future for Return to Snake Land? Because you know, like like I know, like you know, there's different ways that you can approach your your podcast, right? You know, serial mm-hmm. does it in like seasons, right? You know, we mm-hmm. do it in that we're just a bunch of idiots talking about the news. So we can, we can <laughs> tried and true formula, yeah, right? Yeah. We we can go infinitely. Right. Um, you, you you've got um a certain story that you want to tell. So like, you know, what does the future hold for return to snake land? So I'm just going to say, um, we don't know how, we don't know how far it'll go. It could be, you know, you know, 20 episodes. It could be 40 episodes. Um, we have, uh, we're still doing like research and looking into certain things. Um, and we are going to hit different subjects. It's not just going to be just about, uh, the death of Kathy Harold, the murder of her. It's going to also. You know, we're going to talk about the culture and different things that are happening. Um, mm-hmm. ep- episode mm-hmm. five, we're going to be talking about John Justice. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, it's just how far the you know the information is. And um, I mentioned the podcast, and I, I I've been saying it over and over again. Is I look at this as a historical document mm-hmm. of something that people can look back. And listen to, and you know, um, we forget so much of our yep. past. There's, I mean, we're only talking twenty to thirty years ago, and mm-hmm. people, a lot of people, don't even know what Snake Land was. A lot of people don't know about Kathy Harold, and you know, I mean, people, I mean, not everybody's going to know these things, but mm-hmm. there is a, definitely a lot of stuff out there that people forget. And um, I don't consider, I mean, me and Jace, Jason are haunted by all these events that we kind of digested over the last 10 some years and that's why we mm-hmm. want to do the podcast to bring this information um and uh, but sooner or later it will be you know the the material will be exhausted mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. but then if you're if what you're uh you were asking is you know like as far as the future of snake land like when we complete the the podcast you know let's just say if we ever do um like would we would we be interested in um like a documentary or would we be interested in some form of an actual narrative uh production of some sort of the other or was that not something that you were no that's that's that that's certainly part of uh, i left it pretty open-ended on purpose (laughs) oh okay no 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 that no that's good that's good um I'm not going to speak for Aaron, but I'm saying that on on my end, and probably his, um, we never thought we were going to make a dime doing any of this. And as far as we've been very successful so far. Yeah, we've kept to that promise. (laughs) We've made nothing off the graphic novel, and we're making nothing off of this. But um, no, but I mean, like, honestly... um, I, I, I mean, I can't say for sure because, you know, I mean, that's always such a classic thing where you talk to people about their art and they're like, oh, I'll never sell out. And then they immediately sell out. <laughs> but in, in our cases, I mean, we're both we're both a little older. Um, we both have families and stuff. And I really I just I just don't know if there's really going to be any benefit to doing something like that. You know, I mean, or I don't think there would be any benefit except for the money. 
Mm-hmm. And again, you know, it's just um, neither of us is is making enough to say no, you know, to money. I mean, I know that for sure. But at the same time, uh, it's not something we're pursuing. You know, I, I really, I really don't think it's going to go that far. I'd be very, very happy if this was considered to be a historical document because it needs to be there. You look at the uh, the history of Kenmore, New York, and it ends at like fucking. Sorry, it ends at like. <laughs> okay. You can okay. swear on this podcast. We swear all yeah. the time. Oh, yes. okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. yeah, you got you cocksuckers can swear all yeah, you yeah. want. <laughs> <laughs> Edit that out, Ryan. Okay, no, I'll keep it in. <laughs> All right. So, um, but yeah, but the uh, the official like you know history of of Kenmore, New York ends at like I don't know. I don't even th- I don't even nineteen fifty kind of yeah, yeah. seriously into the into the nineteen hundreds, and then there's just nothing. And then there's this this wicked very you know scrubbed Wikipedia version of the the Kenmore West story. And it's ridiculous. And all these things happen. And if nothing else, they need to be discussed because of the manner in which it intersects with uh, 1985, 86 history. You know, the the satanic panic, as you brought up earlier, Uh, the role of uh, (laughs) the role of different tribes in uh, youth culture back in 1985. I mean, these days, no one would care at all about anything remotely like that, you know, punks and heads. No one knows what that is because it's all the same music. They were like, you know, Nirvana killed all that, I think. So. <laughs> More or, or less, yeah. At least. yeah. So. Well, wherever wherever the, the Snakeland narrative takes you guys, I'm excited to find out and to uh, to follow you along the way. Um, Return to Snakeland podcast. Uh, is it on, I assume, iTunes, Stitcher, the, mm-hmm. the whole kit and caboodle? Yep. All the usual suspects. Absolutely. So yeah, it's pretty much out there. And of course, I mean, you can, you can also download it from uh, our website, which you should go to anyway, which is returnosnakeland.com. And it's got a whole bunch of stuff about uh, the actual history of the, uh, the various, uh, the various uh, events that occurred and uh, some, uh, some historical documents and stuff like that. It's good stuff. When do, and certainly, yeah, return to snakeland.com. We can share that website yeah. on our social media. Oh, sure, sure. When do, um, when do new episodes drop? What day of the week? Wednesday. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. So listeners, you get return to snakeland on Wednesday. You get the square on Thursday. Uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're doing all right for yourselves. <laughs> Eventually we'll, we'll get you a podcast every day to listen to. Uh, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah, get I the know. whole yeah. extended <laughs> right. universe of Buffalo podcasts right. yeah. here and, uh, you'll, you'll really be doing something. Um, Aaron, Jason, where can we can we find you guys on social media or you know do you do that sort of thing? Yeah, uh, uh, I'm uh, on Twitter at Blackbird two thousand four, and Jason, your fictional mixtape. Yep, fictional mixtape at uh, at Twitter. Uh, we've got a uh, uh, Return of Snakeland uh, Instagram, and uh, we've also got a page up on Facebook, and that's just straight up uh, Return of Snakeland. Cool. You you guys also have a do you have a Patreon still or it was just a Kickstarter for the we have we have Patreon as well. Yeah. If uh, anybody does want to donate, that'd be great. And that's uh, Patreon at uh, Patreon forward slash Return to Snakeland. I believe, I believe so. Yeah. 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 You got it. 
Give us your money and then give Jason and Aaron your money. You've got money. You're, <laughs> right. Do it. Yeah. Come on. You're, you're most likely a young <laughs> professional. Yeah. Maybe maybe not so young anymore, but you're definitely, you, d- you get paid to do something. Yeah, buy, buy one sure. less avocado toast a yeah. week. Yeah, you damn millennial. We're, just we're gonna have to hang you by your ankles and get your nickels, okay? <laughs> right. right. Well, we'll, we will find you. Yeah. I right. don't don't underestimate us. We will find you. Right. We'll shake you and get your swirlies. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and we'll make sure and we'll make sure Jason and Aaron get a cut too because they deserve it. Because right. Right. damn it, Return of Snake Land is friggin' awesome, <laughs> guys. Stuff. I can't wait to listen to more. Thank you so much again for joining us. Can you take me now? Are you afraid of me?